Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. We've got dinners and different things, so Sunday evening service isn't always the most convenient for those kind of days, but... Uh, you are here, and that's important. And I don't know if we've got live stream up and running with the change, with uh, coming down here. We've got a bit of working out in terms of the equipment and stuff. I know last week we had video, but we didn't have sound. So we missed Bill and Kathy, or Bill's, yeah, message last week. Um, it was mute Bill. And how many know a mute Bill is not what you want? It's just... It's not a good mix, right? <clears throat> but uh, it was a really good word. It was so encouraging. And um, you had to be here. Sorry. So if you missed it, it was good. Well, um, uh, we're going um, to look at um, some scripture tonight. So uh, we're going to look at... And I was thinking about this a lot, and I've got one area I want to really focus in, and I'm going to, of course, focus in on the dads and the fathers, but this is actually for all of us as believers. But, um, you know, this is my first year without, Sheila and I, we don't have any natural fathers anymore. So um, it's different because you don't realize um, spiritual leaders in your life, such as your parents, such as mentors you know that are more mature that pray for you that are in your life when they go their prayers are gone and everything like that backing that you used to have is gone and you feel it and and then in terms of in the family dynamic you become the patriarch like in my case there's no one else to go up to it's like I'm the one in my family. You become the patriarch. I'm a little young to be a patriarch, but I'll take it. Um, but it's a responsibility. It's, you feel the weight of that. You feel the weight of, you know, you can't go up anymore. Because, you know, how many, no, you can always go up and blame the next one up. Come on. <laughs> Ben's laughing. He knows. But, um, but you can't do that. It's like, no. No, you gotta, it stops here. You gotta either take responsibility for it or like it doesn't go any further. And, and you feel the weight of that. And so I've been thinking of this in terms of with Jesus. And I wanted to go to, let's go to John 5, 19 to 23. So Mustafa, if you look that up, you'll be able to follow us that way, our Turkish member. We're going to hear his story. Um, many of you have been asking, so he's going to be sharing his, his testimony. Um, an extreme Muslim family, and he becomes a believer, and what happens as a result, uh, you'll hear his story. So we're going to have that one, one Sunday. We just don't know when yet. We're, we're in the plannings of that. But, uh, but I <laughs> in Jesus' case, you know, there was a dependency he had on the Father that I believe that we don't know. And I know I can speak as a man. Um, 
and I can speak as North American men, this is something we really battle with, with this independence, this I can do it on my own and this I can make it on my own. And it's just this, it's this independent spirit. And, um, and we do not see this in Jesus. We do not see this in Eastern culture. They are very much very aware of the, how dependent they are on their fathers and in, that, in their life. And so we're going to see this in John 5, 19. We're going to start there. It says, so Jesus explained, he says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. That's pretty strong. Nothing. Nothing by himself. Now, Jesus could have. He could have done things by himself. He was the son of God. He came from glory. He could have. But there was this, there was this sense of there's a relationship between a father and a son. And we're going to see this in scripture. It's over and over. Before all of this started, there was a relationship between a father and a son. And there's this thing of honor and this thing of, of just being connected and working together that is so awesome in our walk with God. It's, it's the key. If I, if I was going to say there's one key, this is the key. I see Donna Rhea smirking because it was when she understood it was about a relationship with Jesus. It was about a relationship. That was the key that unlocked it. It wasn't about religion. It wasn't about, and so many people, when, when they understand that, that dynamic, and, and Jesus knew this. He said, I can do nothing by myself. This is how emptied he was, is that it's like, I can't do this on my own, nor do I want to. There's something freeing about when I've given everything to God, and I'm not stressing out anymore, and I'm not worried about my future and my house, because it's not my house. It's God's house. It's not my car. It's God's car. It's not my future. It's God's future for me. It's not my children. They're God's children first. He entrusted them to me, and I'm a steward of those. And I'm to be honoring to him. So that takes the weight off of us. And Jesus understood this. He understood that I can do nothing and nothing worthwhile without, first of all, my father doing it. And he says here, whatever the father does, the son also does. So we see this parallel of there was such a, an awareness that God, whatever you do, Heavenly Father is good, and I want to follow that no matter what. I'm following it. I'm, I'm keeping right in step with it. I'm not stressed out when this door doesn't open. You know, when he didn't go to Lazarus and he let him rot for three days, that was the Father's will. Do you not think he had people around him saying, we've got to get to Lazarus, we've got to get to Lazarus? We Come on. There was friends, then, then it says, you know, when he got there, Mary was weeping, and it says that even Jesus wept. Like, in his soul, he was like, oh, he felt it for them, but he knew that his father's plan was good. It was way better. And do you know that the resurrection of Lazarus, I can't get into the whole thing, but that shook that whole region, 
that shook him to where they wanted to kill him again. Like, that's how shaken and, and, and how much God wanted to wake that people up because that miracle was so undeniable, but there was such a strong religious spirit. They couldn't deny that, and they just, all they wanted to do was murder Lazarus again. So he got to live with that. I mean, that's a pretty great thing. You come back to life only for people to want to murder you again (laughs) and to see you dead again. Praise the Lord. But God's plans are good, regardless of how weird they are. In fact, they're so much better than a predictable, boring, mundane, drippy life that so many people settle for. We just settle for it. And why? Many times it's because of fear, and we're going to look at this. It says here, For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. You know, when you come into a place of security with your Heavenly Father, he starts showing you things. It becomes where he's like showing you his little secrets, and he's like, you know what? This is going to come along the way. He begins to show you. Why? Because you've slowed down. You stopped doing it on your own. And we get to a point where it's like we're, we're, we're listening. We've actually, we're not trying to make this thing happen anymore. And it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing, Heavenly Father? I don't want to run ahead. In fact, it says the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Because there was this, a great healing that he is just talking about here. He says, then you will truly be astonished, for just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. And anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. So these two are like this. He's like, you put down my father, you put down me. You don't honor my father, you're not honoring me. We don't, we're two peas in a pod. We are like this. But you know what he says here? He says that he's not, he says here the son is the one who has the ability to judge. And the reason for this is Jesus was the one that became human. If anyone could judge, he walked in our shoes. God didn't. God's a spiritual being. God didn't become flesh. He became flesh through the Son, through Jesus. Jesus became fully God, was fully God, but he became fully human. So therefore, he can judge us because he's lived it. Amen? Because he has the opportunity to just smarten up. Like, I did it. You do it. You know? And he could just totally rub your face in it. Could totally exploit every weakness that every one of us have. And we all have them. He could exploit all of our humanness. But he didn't. He walked in it. And we're going to see what he did. But in Romans 8, let's go there. Um, 
It says in Romans 8, 15 to 17. Because this is what was in the heart of the Father all along, right from the very beginning, even before creation. It was a relationship between a father and a son. And when God created man, he created them. And the Bible says he walked with them in the cool of the day. Now that was, if you understand Hebrew culture and you understand Eastern thought, that is like fellowship time. When you go for a stroll after dinner and you're just talking and you're just connecting and you're just being together. That's what that walking in the cool of the day. It wasn't just like enjoying the breeze. It was like fellowship and communion and connection. And so when God was going to Adam to do that that one day, and then Adam says, you know, I'm naked. And God says, who told you we're naked? And we're not going to get into that whole side. But anyway, what happened is it brought separation to that sweet fellowship that relationship that they had in the garden. And so God was always trying to get that back. And here we see this in Romans 8, 15. It says, it says that you, you, do not, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. And this was the biggest thing that happened in the garden. Fear came immediately. They were afraid and they saw that they were naked and they, they were afraid of God and they were afraid of because why? Because sin can't stand in God's perfect holiness and God's perfect presence. And that's why God had to send them out of the garden, because his holiness would have consumed them. So it was God's love that had to make that separation and then make another way. And then he did through Jesus. But it says here, he didn't give you the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. So many people... There's so many fears, fear of man, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of sudden disaster, fear, fear. The Bible says in the last days that people will faint because of fear and terror. That's how bad things can, are going to get. But how many know we don't receive that spirit of fear? We can actually walk through those things and not even have that fear. We're not a slave to that. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you, what? As his own children. Amen? Isn't that awesome? We've been adopted in. So we're, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm bringing you in, and you know what? We're just this, you know, gang, and we're, we're all, you're all my peeps, right? We're just good friends. No, he's like, no, I'm adopting you as my children. He says, now it says we call him Abba Father, which is an intimate term, Daddy, Daddy God. And it's for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Amen. We're heirs of all of it. And, I, and then it says this, but... If we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Comes with both. You know, when we walk through certain things together, how many know in marriage you walk through the good and the bad together? You weep together, but you rejoice together. That's what it's about. 
And it's like we go through life, and there's the good and there's the bad. You know, Mustafa's coming into Canada, and he loves parts of Canada, but there's some parts of Canada that are very weird. And it's vice versa. When we, we're hearing about Turkey, it's very weird on some things. I'm very good on some things. It's like this. He uses this analogy. Everyone wants to just bring their strength, but it's your strength and your weaknesses that connect you. And this is the thing with a good father. You understand that. Our, our Heavenly Father knows that about us. And as earthly fathers, that's the greatest thing that we can give, is we give that sense of security, that sense of, you know what? We are here to see this through to the end. You are that constant. You are that that steady course that is unwavering. And, and you chart the course, and you, you, you dispel fear, and you bring security, and you bring strength. Whenever there's issues, and it's like, you know what? We can come in, and we can say, no, no, this, and, and stand firm and stand our ground. And you know, there's a generation that is screaming for fathers, and God is calling us to be fathers to a fatherless generation. We're going to adopt some more around us uh, and, and just take them in. Why? Because we, they're screaming for fathers. We need fathers. And he's given us the ability to be able to do this. Now let's go to John 17 because Jesus here prayed a prayer. And we're going to um, go into this prayer and we're going to... Um, Unpack it. It says here, after all these things, Jesus, John 17, starting in verse 1, Jesus looked up in heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. So again, we see this exchange. My glory is dependent on Father, you glorifying me. It's not about me hyping myself up. It's not about me making something happen. God, if, if you don't glorify yourself in me, you're not going to get any glory. Because I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing. I'm absolutely dependent on you, Heavenly Father. I'm dependent on your goodness. I'm dependent on all that you are. That is everything that I need. It says, glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. Why did Jesus have authority? Because he was under authority. He was under authority. And that brings great security when we can rest in the authority that we are under. Because we don't have to try to make something happen. We, we rest and we just stand firm in that authority. Fathers, you have great authority over your family. You have great authority from heaven to stand your ground for what God has for those children. You declare that over them. You speak that over them. You have authority to dispel darkness and the plans of the enemy. Don't let the devil lie to you and just say, oh, you failed, you failed, you messed up. It's like, we all did. Welcome to life. That's what happens. We, 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 we win some and we lose some. 
But God is there, and he's that constant, and he helps us pick ourselves up. He helps us repent when we need to repent. He helps us make corrections where we need to make corrections. But it says here that he needs to be glorified in us, and then he gives us this authority. It says here, he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. He says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So there's a work. And guys, I'm going to speak into you because we've got a job to do. We're not living aimless. We're not just working to make a living to support our families. We have a purpose behind what we're doing. We should be living for that purpose. My job is part of it but I should be living for a greater purpose than just going to a job. My purpose is to know God and to make him known to everyone around me, however that might be. And God gives us different degrees of how that happens, but each of us are to be living and emulating him and, and bringing it to our families and beyond. And it says here... Um, so there's a work that each of us have to do. It says, now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Here we see again a relationship between a father and a son before it all began. I have revealed, to you, revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. So they weren't Jesus' disciples. They were actually God's first. He says they were always yours. You gave them to me, and you have kept your word. You know, there's sometimes when we go through difficult situations with people, and I've seen people come and go. We've been in ministry for over 40 years now. But the bottom line is they're God's first. And if, you know, God told them that they're to work with me or whatever, and they don't, that's not my responsibility. I have to be that hand extended to be always that open door. But if someone chooses to walk, they're God's first. And God's working on them. And God is working out those things. And if, if, if it's to be, the prodigals come home. Amen? Because that father is a good father. And he says here, um, they were always yours. You gave them to me and the and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. Do we see this exchange? Everything I have came from you. Now I've just passed on what they've come. But you've given me to them. It takes all this striving and all this, oh, i got to make something happen. No, you don't. You just have to love your father. Know he's good. And when things get stressful, it's like, God, this is yours. I'm giving it to you. Be glorified through me. Show me. Make it clear. There's so many different things that he can do, but he is good and he's working. And then he says here, they accepted it. And, now, and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. And my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me so that so they bring me glory. 
Now I am departing from the world, but they are staying in this world. But I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Amen. So he's, again, he's saying, what, how, how are Jesus and his father united? By relationship. What is the greatest thing? I love this with what's happening here with the Jesus. Uh, ex- experience Jesus or encounter Jesus. Yes. That, you know, so many churches coming together and it's about just lifting up Jesus. And it's about just seeing him glorified. And we need to see more of this and more of this and more of this. And because it's about relationship, it's about lifting Jesus up, it's about honoring his, his family, honoring his people, honoring him in one another, and growing together with one another. We don't need to bring division. The devil comes to divide, because a house divided against itself doesn't stand. We have to guard against division. We have to guard against those things that, that, that bring destruction. And then he says here, he says, Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. But now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. And I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Amen? Guys, we've got to really be careful that we don't want validation from the world. When a, in, a, in a culture where, you know, you've got Instagram, you've got Facebook, you've got all the likes, you've got all the... We can slip into this needing validation from people when the world isn't going to love you and everything about you. Jesus said it here because it's it's not appealing to humble yourself before a holy God. It's not appealing to not have your whole future tickety boo all structured and in order, but to Lay it bare before God and say, God, I trust you, even with the unknowns. It's, it's not something that's appealing for people to know that, you know what, the way to receive more from God is to give more. It's not appealing to live a life of prayer and surrender to God. How many know your flesh and your mind and every part of you wants to scream, I don't want to do this today? There's parts that we in our own flesh hate at times. There are those around us that will hate it more because they don't want it at all. But we have to know we've been put in this world. He says, I'm not asking you to take them out. I'm asking you to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach him your, your word, which is truth. And just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. 
And I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. Amen? That we would be one. That's why we're, we call ourselves one church. Not big, I'm talking one church, the network of churches, because we believe Jesus wants to make us one. One in spirit, one in heart. And so this is his end goal. You know what? We were at a Christian conference the other, I can't remember, a few years ago, and it was, it was packed, and there was a huge lineup, and then we had to get in. Of course, everyone's trying to get the best seats, and people are running in, and, and I'm sitting here, and it's a Christian event. <laughs> and, and people are being mean to one another. And they're like, wanting to get the best seats. And I'm like, I'm thinking, guys, like, we're all going to be in heaven together. We've got to learn to get along here. Like, this is practice. Uh, we're not doing so good right now. The family is fighting. <laughs> I'm not seeing oneness here. <laughs> And it's like this, I, oh, I, you know, and it's like God, God wants to get all that, uh, that out of us, all the striving, all the me in the forefront, and just it's about him. It's about adoring him. It's about doing things for him, and he brings us together because unity doesn't come this way. It comes this way. All of us surrendering our own will and coming that's where we get it. So he says, make them one just as you and I are one. So whenever you're feeling like, oh, I don't want to be with those people, guess what? God's going to make you one with them. So that's just part of it. And I know a lot of us, it's like, mm. <laughs> why that one? <laughs> I know I'm the only one. Pastor thinks that. Yeah, I'm human first, then I'm in the office of pastor. Amen? And so it says here, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and they are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. This is what it's all about. If there's one thing we have to get right, this is what we have to get right. I don't care how successful you are in everything else. If you do not want to be with the body of Christ and you don't love them and you don't want to see them grow and you don't want to be together with them, something is very wrong because the heart of Jesus is this one thing. This is his last prayer before he left. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before 
the world began. If I can have the worship team up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that love that you showed us and that you and the Father have. I thank you, Jesus. It's such an awesome love. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.